The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in everybody to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us here live on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on one of your favorite places to get podcasts later on, we always are glad to have you stop in, hang out with us, and talk a little bit about what's going on in the wide world of sports. We are in the first couple of days of August right now, and it is DJ joined as always by my co-host Kelsey. And Kelsey, August means a couple of things. One, Football's right around the corner in 24 hours from the time we're recording this. There will be football being played. Not necessarily real football, but close enough. As close as it gets right there. We also have baseball. Sellers, buyers, teams get waving the white flag, teams strapping up for a sprint to the finish line. And we got basketball around the corner. And the, so- the soccer pitch is getting a little heated, too. So we got a lot going on right now. Uh, yeah, you know, it's actually ironic you talk about soccer. I did just uh, did just guess uh, – well, actually – uh, this Friday, I'll be a guest on uh, Insert Name FC talking about the League's Cup, which is where Messi scored that wonder goal, uh, his first debut goal. And by the way, scored that, followed that up with two more goals in his next game. Um, we talk a lot about Messi. We talk about a lot about the League's Cup, uh, about soccer. So all that's going on. But yeah, you mentioned it, like baseball, there's trade, de- trade deadline, you know, coming today, actually, at, or yesterday at 6 p.m. Uh, was the trade deadline. So lots of moves happening, lots of pitchers being shipped out, lots of hitters being shipped out. And by the way, the Mets have... Surprising nobody traded everybody they signed in the offseason already to a whole nother team, uh, except for Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. They seem to be still sticking around New York somehow. But no, it's been it's been a crazy last couple days. It gets scary here every every single day. We get closer. And honestly, I'm excited for football to get back. Uh, I say get back and Zach will Zach Cobbman, our good friend, will probably kill me for that commentary because if Zach says it's never goes never goes away, it just alternates between leagues. Uh, but look, NFL at the end of the day is king college football is king um so let's let's not kid ourselves by saying that it's not coming back because right now it does feel feel kind of i'm ready i'm honestly ready for this nfl season and the best part is there's always a little bit of drama but the bad news is there's unfortunately a little bit of calls the infirmary during this time of the year but we can get up to all of that in just a moment but first we're going to head into our first segment that is of course known as the tip off the tip off of course Brought to you by SeatGeek. Use code Bellio Sports. Get yourself $20 off on your first order. Wherever you're trying to get tickets, whether it's a sporting event, concert, wherever you're trying to go, save a little bit of money on that first ticket order for yourself. So we mentioned already we're going to jump right into the MLB trade deadline. Just wrapped up a little over 26 hours ago. Some movers, some buyers, some sellers, some teams on the move. And we're just going to take a look at a few of them that stuck out to us. And I'm going to st- I'm gonna pick one trade in particular that really kind of there's a lot of them. We're going to talk about the Mets because they're one we're going to both touch on because they probably were the had the biggest, most active of movement here today, but or yesterday, I should say. But one I kind of want to look at is it kind of invo- it involves the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. I thought this was an interesting trade where Arizona's going to get Paul Sewald, Seattle's going to get Josh Rosas, Dominic Cazone, and infielder Ryan Bliss. The reason this one kind of stuck out to me is I feel like both teams got a little bit of what they needed here as well. The Diamondbacks, obviously a surprise contender. I personally, I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are this year. They caught me a little off guard there. They needed a little bit of help pitching, especially in late inning relief help. They needed help getting from like the starting pitcher to the close. Those relief areas was kind of where they were in trouble. And I think Suwall can give them a little bit of that. Maybe not the best fit for Seattle at this point. It's kind of a seller's market right now. And I think they did a really good job taking advantage of that. And you got some really good players in return. Josh Rosas is a very, very good player. A little bit of a not his best year, obviously, but I think overall, like you look at like last year, the year before, he's been a good player, so there's still something salvageable there. Dominic Canzone, 
a newer player, obviously making his debut in early July after having a good triple a career. Then Ryan bliss, really good futures player. They kind of, they loaded up saying, maybe we make a run at this, but if we don't, we're going to be prepared where the diamondbacks are like, this is getting awfully competitive. We need to not blow these games. We need to find a way to bridge that gap a little bit. So I kind of like this trade. I think both teams won this trade very well. And for the Mariners, if you somehow make a run down the stretch here at the end of the year, that's that's quite that's quite the haul you got back in return. So you got a lot of young and quality players in return. Yeah, no, look, I think uh, I think you're you're right. That look, Arizona was actually really active in this trade market, and not in a bad way by any means. They got Jace Peterson from the A's as well. Uh, they also went went out and got a few more pieces as well. Uh, Peter Shalisky, um from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they also ended up with uh, Tommy Pham coming over from the Mets. We talked about the Mets and, and everything they did. Um, but so look, the, the the it's obvious the Diamondbacks now that they're they they know they're in the race. They know they're competitive. Uh, they're sitting right there in the West. Them and the Giants both made big moves in this in this uh, break here in this trade deadline. And you didn't have the Dodgers really doing anything. They traded away a player for cash considerations uh, and didn't really bring in anything major here. Colorado traded away players. And then San Diego really didn't do anything to try to bolster their team as well. They did. I mean, they made a few moves, but nothing outstandingly large. I mean, obviously bringing in Rich Hill seems like a big deal. So does G-Man Choi. But when you consider the rest of that lineup, it's not like they play. They don't have players already. It's just, you know, not there. So yeah, the Diamondbacks making that move huge, huge for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I really did did like what they did. Uh, you know, liked what they did during the uh, the trade deadline there. But uh, for me, I'm actually going to highlight a completely different trade here. Um, I was going to originally go with a Jace Peterson trade, but you know what? I'm going away from that one for obvious reasons. I'm actually going to go here to Cincinnati. Also involved in a trade here with the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners sending Sam, Sam Mole to the Cincinnati Reds for left-handed pitcher Joe, Joe Boyle, but also the Reds getting international cap space. The international cap space is a very tricky thing. Um, and with baseball, I'll talk about building for the future, but it allows a lot of the, allows a lot of the free agent tra- uh, signings to happen for younger Caribbean players like Ellie De La Cruz. But most importantly, it brings a left-handed arm into their pen. Something the Reds, who right now are fighting for a position in the Central, try fighting for a playoff spot. And God forbid, I never thought I'd say this at the trade deadline, that the Reds are fighting for a playoff spot. But the Reds are fighting for a playoff spot, ladies and gentlemen. And a left-handed pitcher is one thing they were missing. And here they are, getting Sam Mole. By all means, Sam Mole is not the greatest pitcher in the world. But in this market, it's not a bad pick by any means. It's not a bad pickup at all. It's going to get you enough to get across the line. Um, I do think it's a, it's a very interesting trade from a lot of aspects, but I do think just for the Reds right now, Sam Mole's interest is, is, is could be enough to get them into the playoffs just as that extra piece, that thing that they didn't have in their bullpen really to face up with somebody. Um, but I also, you know, if I'm going to pick another trade and I'm because I'm going to break the rules like I normally always do, uh, I'm going to pick Michael Lorenzen as well. Michael Lorenzen coming over from the, the Tigers here, uh, getting traded at the deadline. Big move because a guy that could make a lot of teams happy when it comes to you know adding an arm to their bullpen made himself a late reliever. Uh, all this talk about a former Red as well, um, but a very 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 interesting player in a, in himself. But I think he's gonna he's gonna make some team. He's gonna make uh, the Philadelphia Phillies pretty happy. That's right. Yeah, I don't know why that sounded wrong. Somehow saying Philadelphia Phillies just doesn't ugh, just doesn't 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 sound right. Uh, but yeah, Michael Lorenzen. 
going to the Phillies is, is probably my second trade to highlight here. Uh, just look, it was a really good trade, and it's going to add an arm to the pen that they really need too. And you know what? That's kind of what the Reds needed. You mentioned they're in a fight for a playoff spot in the Central, and they already have good mojo on their side where the last time Taylor Swift played in Cincinnati, they went to the playoffs and Joey Votto won MVP. So maybe this year they they have that on their side. You just kind of decided to bolster it a little bit more since you played there again. So you know what? If history repeats itself, this might be just the move they needed to get there. But I'm also going to stay in the Central, but I'm going to go to the AL Central. I'm not really going to go to a particular trade, but I'm going to go with a couple of trades. I'm looking at the moves that the Guardians made so far. The first one trading pitcher Aaron Savale for to Tampa Bay for Kyle Manzardo, then dealing away your guy Josh Bell to Miami for Segura, who they're already not going to keep around, it looks like. It looks like they already said they're going to waive him as well. So I'm not I'm not really sure because I get what – I get it. You have some good young pitchers, but your two main pitchers have been injured all season. Your ace has been out pretty much all year. You don't really – you shouldn't really be giving up pitching assets. And then you bring in hitters just to get no hit based on the day of the trade deadline. So – not saying they're waving the white flag, but it is kind of interesting moves. Considering that division stinks, and the Twins didn't do a whole lot either at the top of it. They did, they did, they added a little bit, but the division's right there. So I don't know if they need a little shakeup, but I'm not 100% sure about the shakeup. I get Josh Bell's a little shaky this year, but I don't really think you needed, I don't think you need to get rid of him for a guy you're going to release. Trading a pitcher for a guy who I do think Menzaro could be beneficial in the lineup, especially now that Bell's gone, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not saying they're bad moves, but I'm not saying they're good moves. They are the ones that ha- they have me scratch what's left in my hair. Like, interesting. These are moves that would make a lot of sense if you were 5, 10, 15 games back, realistically. Uh, but when you're two games back of the team in first and you're sitting here trading away a hitter who is hitting 240 on the season, has 11 home runs, is third in your team in RBIs, you already struggle offensively. And you're trading him away for Gene Segura, who, by the way, let's not forget Gene Segura, when he came up in the league, was a fantastic second baseman. A utility infielder, great with his glove, hits 281 for a career average. And this year's struggling a little bit. He's hitting only about 218. That's the story for a lot of hitters right now. It's not like it's any different. But you're not even going to keep him on the team, even though you need a utility infielder who can play all three side positions, not named first base. And you have Josh Taylor, who's also has an injured rib, who's having a out of his mind season, a season that doesn't make sense. And you're going to trade away who the, the the starting first baseman in Josh Bell, and make Josh Taylor is going to start somehow, but he can't even stay healthy. This happened last year too, down the stretch where Josh Taylor couldn't stay healthy, and now he, when he's having a career year, he can't stay healthy, and you don't have any backup to him. Uh, I don't get this trade at all. I honestly don't get a lot of what the Guardians did. Now, don't get me wrong. I get Savali. I'd get rid of get rid of the guy that's considered. Well, he's a glass arm. Uh, I mean, realistically, he Disposed. he's a guy that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, realistically, he's a guy that hasn't been able to find the zone for two years now. Uh, he's had a couple good starts here and there, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not been good enough for somebody who is supposed to be a top two arm in a in a in a, a rotation. He's not that. Uh, and 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 it's because he's been he's been high in the zone. He can't has not been able to find the bottom of the zone and be successful consistently. And that's a big problem for for the Guardians. So obviously you get rid of that. Try to get try to get a bat in a young bat that makes sense for the future, right? Like let sit him down in AAA for a season, let him get get going. It'll be fine. But then the Josh Josh Bell trade on top of that, and then here's the here's the big kicker. You bring in Noah Syndergaard thinking, okay, you're gonna have a have an arm to help with your rotation. Game one five point. 
five and a third innings and has to leave with, with after getting hit in the in the calf. Like, so you can't even catch a break with one of your trade pieces you bring in to help pitching, which by the way, he was having a pretty good night, Noah Syndergaard was. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting what they do. They it, it's it's tough because the Guardians they are top five in the league in least runs given up, but they are top five worst teams in the league in scoring runs. They have a net zero run differential on the season. So you're telling me they're not great at offense and they're not great at defense. And you're going to trade away both for pieces that are basically minor leaguers. And, you know, you talk about the no hitter, obviously they just got no hit by the Astros. Uh, interesting thing about that. And it's something I find hilarious. If you look at that raw, that road or that lineup yesterday, when they got no hit, it's about four actual MLB quality players there. Uh, one of them is a rookie this year, and that's Bo Naylor. And then it's a bunch of AAA guys in Miles Straw, who, by the way, if you guys don't know the history of Miles Straw, hits the ball hard at people, has not hit a home run in his entire MLB career. It's been four seasons, five seasons now it's without a, a home run. gold lover, but definitely not a gold yeah. batter. <laughs> no, exactly. So he is, he is the quintessential, like, put him at the bottom of the lineup, hope he – can do something um but yeah no it's 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 rough with the guardians uh watching what they're trying to do I, I i honestly don't know i think they're stuck between two minds of going after it or just maybe we rebuild because at any other season and you're uh what 48 and 50 or now it's 50 and 52 like you're probably like ah oh, great we're gonna just we're gonna be we're gonna be sellers at the deadline well, you're you're in second place by two games. Why are you not buying? And I think they're stuck between the two mindsets here. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about the Guardians. That one's a tough one because it's like they tried to do right things, but that they just they didn't get enough. And Khalil Watson coming over from from Miami in that Josh Bell trade as well. He's a guy that's been bouncing around up and down between single A ball or a high single A high level high level single A, so A plus ball and rookie level ball for the last three seasons. By the yeah, way, 53 and 56 is the record, too. So, like you said, 50. pretty much right there. You're right. Yeah. The they, 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 yeah, sorry. They lost today. So, yeah, 53, 56. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, look, but they bring in Khalil Watson. The guy's been ha- has attitude problems, hasn't been able to adjust to the game, it seems like, over the first three years in his professional career. And he's supposed to somehow help this team. He hits well. He hits the ball hard. But he can't see the light of day right now. So, I don't know what's going to happen here um, in this situation. I really don't know what they're – what the guardians are thinking. I think this is going to be a situation where they had an opportunity and the moment they let it slip, they're just like, yeah, you know, okay, good enough. We were here. We were close enough for half a season. That's good enough. Right. We're Cleveland. That's, but that's not true. I mean, honestly, you should be winning this division. We talked about it in their rankings, like in their tier on tier Tuesdays is they, they should be a playoff team. Absolutely. As well. And then we get speaking of the Astros, they also made themselves a nice little move here at the end of the, at the end, at the trade deadline as well to rise again, a no hitter. They get to bring in Mr. K Upton himself, Justin Verlander, coming back to the Astros, who, fittingly, uh, the last time that the that the Houston Astros had a no-hitter was Justin Verlander in 2019. So funny how that comes full circle. But the Mets, with the highest payroll of all time coming into this year, already selling at the, at the trade deadline, selling two starting pitchers, too, with Justin Verlander, as well as Scherzer going to the Rangers as well. Mets conceding the white flag, like, we're done. Nope, we screwed up, guys. I'm sorry. We're going back and then. I just love this part of it. You send two ace level pitchers. I know they're older, but they're they still got game with Mr. Upton slash Justin Verlander himself. And now Scherzer are going to the Rangers, both in the same division, both with nearly identical records. Well, basically are two of the better teams in the AL going head to head. And now you basically 
you gave two gladiators that were fighting, you gave them both lightsabers. It's like, all right, guys, fight harder. Like, it was just funny how the Mets literally just armed them to fight them even more. So the yeah. Mets, oh, yeah. a failure of a season. I think it's safe to say. We normally don't like to go that far, but I think it's safe to say it's a bit of failure at the trade deadline at this point. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Rangers getting involved in that arms deal uh, because it's really an arms race out West right now. Uh, you have Texas bringing in Jordan Montgomery as well, along with Chris Stratton um, from the St. Louis Cardinals, who, by the way, just gutted their team. It seems like uh, they gave Jordan Hicks up to the Blue Jays. But then on top of that, then you have the Angels out here bringing in C.J. Crone, Randall Grishuk. Uh, they also brought in uh, Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox. So you have the Angels going after it. You have the Rangers obviously going after mm-hmm. it. And now you have the Astros going after it. And it was could be a three-team race for the century here in the AL that if you know Mike Trout comes back healthy at later in the, later in this month, uh, early August, or yeah, it's going to be mid to late August is when he's projected to come back. This could be a very fun stretch run for the AL West for the first time in what feels like 20, 30 years. I mean, I want to say twenty years. It's the early two thousands when we actually had a real race in the West. Uh, you know, between the Angels with Garrett Anderson and the A's uh, of all teams back in the day. So I think this could be a fun one down the stretch. But, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. The AL West, major arms race out there. Obviously, Shohei Otani is still playing for the Angels. So um, uh, number one arm right there, number one bat right there as well. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to see going down the stretch which one of those teams can pull out the, the, the division and, and if the other two can sneak into a file guard. Absolutely. And you know what? Considering somebody who picked the Angels to get to the World Series in our preseason predictions, saying that they were going to go on a run late, I'm feeling a, like 2% better right now. They still got to actually I- do it healthy, but it's – Hopefully, it's at least looking better than it was a week ago. I was almost dead certain they were doing a trade show. Hey, I was almost certain they were doing it. And then they were just like, ah, you know, Mike Trout got his midseason break. We're going to go for it when he comes back. If we can just be my, a little respectable, we're going to make a whole lot of money if we can re-sign Shohei. Yeah, my hope my hope of Shohei and somehow ending up a giant just got just crushed in the face when they said that. And I was like, all right, never mind. You know, I respect the commitment to it, but definitely a lot of interesting moves, and we're going to see how they play out as MLB season starts to get into. I'm going to say the thick of it as well, too. I'm going to use the cliche of saying oh, this it gets is a fun time. Like this is where this is where it gets real fun after the All Star break. So we've got a lot to keep an eye on there, but that's going to do it here for the tip off. And now that is going to take us now into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show, and that is the main event. And for the main event, we're going back to the gridiron, but not necessarily in the ways that we usually like to. Right now, we'd like to back football's back, guys, but unfortunately, we got to talk about the bad parts to start with. We're starting in Indianapolis because we're going to call it a mess. We're going to be polite and call it an absolute mess. We got Jonathan Taylor versus Jim Irsay versus his agent versus the Colts in a big circle cluster, you know what. And anyone who hasn't really caught speed, basically, Jonathan Taylor wants an extension. He's due for one at the end of the year. The Colts basically have said, we're not going to do it right now. Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade, whether it's really requesting a trade or a leverage, not 100% sure either way. Jim Mercer has had some reckless tweets of his own, as he is prone to do, basically saying, like, no one will care once we die, which was weird and completely out of left field, but Jim Mercer is going to Jim Mercer. And then has also said, we are not trading Jonathan Taylor in any circumstance. JT is still re- recovering right now, still on the pup list, so he's not he's at training camp, but still not technically participating. Rumors of a back injury that might put him on the non-football exemplary list, which would mean you don't get paid and this year doesn't count. But then he says never had back pain. And of course, it's just a big absolute mess right now. And we're both going to get into it. I'm going to keep my short one really quick and sweet before I let you go into it. But I'm going to say this is the rare situation where I think all three parties are wrong. 
At the same time, all three parties are right. I don't. I think both all three of the parties here are absolutely wrong, but they're at the same time they're right in certain merits. But I won't. I don't want to hog too much more time on this one. I'll get your thoughts on. It, so I'll let you go and take over. But I'm gonna circle back to that. Is everybody's right and wrong in this situation in a very weird scenario? I'm gonna disagree and say Jim Rose is always wrong. Uh, but I get your sentiment about saying you know at the same time he is somewhat right. I do get where he's coming from in the f- fact that they don't want to trade Jonathan Taylor. They would be stupid to trade Jonathan Taylor at this point in time. Also, I, as an owner, I'm kind of like money ha- hungry, so I do want to still keep my money from that standpoint. So I kind of get it. I wish he'd shut up, but I get the point that he's trying to make in his ignorant way. Um, God, that, that hurt, hurt to even try to sound that out. Uh, but look, Jonathan Taylor on the flip side. I think Jonathan Taylor's big mistake here is his agent. I think I think his agent is the problem with this entire situation. If his agent wasn't just a, um, I have lack of a better term, a bro dude uh, who's just out here to you know increase his his street cred and get more. Ri- I don't even know what the words I'm saying are. I'm gonna say get more riz. I don't even know what that means. So I'm not gonna like try to figure that one out, but. Like honestly, like this guy is this this guy's a forty year old dude who just tr- is trying to get his just trying to get money, uh, whether it's the best I- advice for his his player or not. Like realistically, the best thing for Jonathan Taylor isn't to leave the Colts, and I'm not saying that because I don't think a man should get paid his money. I think he should get paid his money. We talked about this ad, ad nauseum. I feel like Jonathan Taylor should be paid. I feel like that check should have been in his bank account the day one of this this conversation. But I digress. I do think the best opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to succeed is to remain with the Colts. I, you know, you, you talk about this bouncing around with a lot of players, but especially running backs, they are very much a running backs are very much a system running back. Very few running backs can run a zone, can run a man blocking scheme at equally well. They all do something a little different. The zone is very different. Arian Foster is a perfect example of that when they switched that offense up, Arian Foster went from leading the league in rushing to 22nd in rushing. Yes, injuries did play a part. And the <laughs> Jonathan, Ta- Jonathan Taylor was an injury. It was injured last year. It's not like injuries are not part of his career. So we can't just write that off. So I, I look at this and, and Jonathan Taylor needs to not listen to his agent in this case and be like, he needs to do the J, the J, the J, not J, TJ Watt situation and just walk into Jim Irsay's office and be like, look, pay me at the end of the season, but I'm about to go break records. Give me on the field. Done. Over with. End of conversation. Forget your agent. Forget Jim Ursay. Just get on the same page with your coaches. Get on the same page with your teammates and the solves all this problem. And I think that's the third part. His teammates and the Colts in general as an organization aren't really sure what to do here. And I don't really want to put them in the wrong. But outside of Jim Ursay, they're just kind of just floating there. Like, okay, is he going to be a part of our team? Well, crap, if he's not a part of our team, what are we going to do? Who's going to be our running back? We have this great young quarterback who we built to, to play alongside JT. We have this great offensive weapons outside in Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, who can succeed with a running back like JT in, in, in the game plan. What do we do if they're not there? And then this defense, who is predicated on making takeaways, needs to do so because they're off the field. They're not dictated. The, the biggest problem last year is they were always on the field. When you're able to get them off the field and give them a breather, they're able to make those great plays, able to make those great takeaways, able to be those extreme athletes like we see Shaq Leonard be. So 
without JT, this entire Colts organization is in flux. And that's what you're seeing right now is the Colts don't know what to do. Is They're just like, I don't get it. So, yeah, this is a whole situation where I think JT's in the wrong for believing his agent. His agent's just a dummy. Like, at this point in time, his agent doesn't deserve a license to be an agent for an NFL run, or NFL player because he's not really looking out for the safety and well-being of his player at the end of the day. He's looking out for the wallet at the end of his day. Whatever his percentage is, he feels like he deserves a bigger percentage. And that's never good for a player. Um, Howie Roseman is on the phone, by the way. Uh, and, and, yeah, anyways, I digress. But, um, look, it's – it's a, it's a, it's a it's a situation. Uh, I don't know how best to describe that. It is an awful situation. It's something that should not be happening for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a quiet dude, relatively quiet dude. He just kind of plays the game and doesn't really talk a whole lot. Well, unfortunately, you're in the in 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 the limelight for all the wrong reasons right now because you're agent and Jim Mercy, and that's the problem. Is is realistically, if this was a Jonathan Taylor issue and any other owner. This isn't the case. I don't think it's the case. Jim Irsay would any other owner would have stayed out of the media except for Jerry Jones. And then his agent, obviously, well, his agent is his agent. I mean, unfortunately, that's a situation you got to make a better choice at. Uh, but I, yeah, I, this is this is a sucky situation, and letting his agent continue to do the talking through these reports and through these media releases is not a good look for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and Lynn for the Colts. Don't let Jeremy say in front of a microphone or in front of a computer or in front of a keyboard at any more point in time. Good. Just going to start by adding on to your point. What are they going to do at running back as with on their roster right now? The guy who leads the, who has the most NFL carries is Gardner Minshew with about 116. That's how that was, but with Zach Moss getting injured, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. Gardner uh, Minshew has the most carry NFL carries on their team right now. So that's all you need to know about their situation at running back. That's why they're bringing in guys like Kenyon Drake, et cetera, to, to look at that. But I'm going to go ahead and go on to my soliloquy now. We're going to start just going right down the order. We'll start with JT on this one. Started in March by saying like, hey, I'm just going to let it play out. I'm going to try and get mine, the usual, all the right things. Something has clearly changed, which involves hiring that agent in the meantime. But we'll get circle back to that in a little bit here. But the thing that I don't like about how he's going about this, I'll start by saying we made a video two weeks ago saying, pay this man, Indianapolis, four years, 40 million, all guaranteed. Four years, twelve million a year, twelve and a half, whatever it is, something like that, like something like receiver number two money, like offensive weapon number two type of money, something like that, like something reasonable. He'll be twenty four, pay him like that. At the same time, rumor is he's asking for sixteen million a year, which is I think Christian McCaffrey esque money, who got paid after yep. having a thousand and a thousand seasons, so his value was at all time high amongst the history of the NFL at that point. Jonathan, you're coming off an injury plague season and a surgery. Like you can't be asking for that money right now. Like your your stock is as low as it was since coming out of college. So you can't ask for that right now. And then demand to trade and go into this whole situation. Like, and also you need to start asking for this in March. If you're gonna demand a trade on the back end, you gotta ask for it in March or April or February. This is when the negotiations start because if it comes to a trade request, teams are looking to trade. But right now, everyone thinks they're set for the most part. Their money is spent. Nobody like no one has an extra 16 million a a year to just throw out there like that. So timing was wrong. Very, very wrong. The idea of it was very, very wrong. At the same time, your value is so low just because of that. You should have started. You should have either tried it. If you couldn't get to a deal, you should have been like, all right, well, guess I'm going to have to go out there and jack up my price. Because if I do what I did two years ago, again, that 12 million a year is going to become 16 million real quick. If they franchise tag you, it'd be what it'd be like, or you work on it during the season, maybe midpoint sign a deal, something like that. I think right now, you're in no position to try and reset the market right now. Your value, your 
we know how good you are, but right, you're only as good as your last performance, and your last performance was eight months ago, something like that. Like, and we, I, the point is, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, so I think that's where he's kind of in the wrong there. But at the same time, we agree, we made the video pay that man. He should be your highest paid offensive weapon right now. He that no doubt about that. Until Michael Pittman yes. paid like at the end of the year too. But I digress. Next up, we're gonna look at Jim Irsay, where he's right as you can't is the running back situation where you can't just you can't overpay a running back right now, especially when your value is that low. Everything else he's done is wrong from Twitter to his ramblings, everything like that. Just, everything else is wrong. I won't spend too much time on that. That he's just wrong ninety nine percent of the way. With his agent, where you're right as you look at you try and do the best for your player. Where he's wrong is every other word that has come out of his mouth, basically, as well. He's jumping on Twitter and firing back at Jim Irsay. For those of you who don't know, Malky Kawa is a very popular MMA agent representing guys like John Jones, etc. In football, it feels like he's a little bit out of the element. And if you want to get an idea of the kind of agent is, here is a quote that he had during an interview when talking about getting fighters getting busted for steroids. And I quote, I might get rid for saying this tomorrow, but if you're a girl at the bar and you have your drink, drink there and a guy comes and sits next to you and he slips something into your drink and you get raped. Well, sweetheart, you should have been watching your drink. That's exactly what you tell anybody who says, wait a minute, I didn't do this. I'm not a cheater. I got all these blood tests I've done so far that prove I'm not cheating. And now all of a sudden I'm cheating. Wait a minute. I didn't cheat. It has to be somewhere. What? Like that's So that's the kind of agent you're dealing with right now. We'll start with that. We'll just get that out of the way right now. Since Jonathan Taylor hired the agent is when this is kind of spiraled and i'm not one to say like because usually agents they're kind of mandatory in the sport unless you're lamar jackson or roquan smith anomalies for the most part you need them but it's hard to believe that someone like this especially with this when you look at some of his background some of his mma dealings good mma agent gets deals done for the most part in that situation where but here i th- i feel like he's a lot of the cause of these problems i don't know what's going on behind closed doors but it feels like since he entered that picture jt went from hey i'm gonna do my best hopefully come to a deal i'm gonna let it play out naturally to where we are now jt is known as like we always talk about the humblest quietest guy like everything like that and now suddenly he's caught in this very weird position where it's like the agent is telling him you have to reset the market and putting the burden on him and now he's basically fighting for that it's almost like the burden of fighting for all running backs have been put on his shoulders it feels like and that he's damned if he does if he damns if he doesn't so everybody's has a point but everyone is very wrong and both sides need to kind of figure this out because for jt like you mentioned the Colts has a fantastic situation for you to with Anthony Richardson there. That's going to hold the defensive end just enough. You might be able to get daylight that him rolling out of the pocket, you getting involved in the passing game. Shane Steichen, the new offensive coordinator is going to push the ball down the field, which means running lanes for you to burst for 50 yard gallops out of nowhere. And you still have Quentin Nelson and some other guys to get behind. You're probably going to get paid a lot there unless they trade you to Kansas city or something ridiculous like that. But Kansas city is not going to pay you. If you're the Colts, you stink. We already made this video. I'm not going to go too deep in that. You stink. You pay the man. If you're Jim Mercer, you just got to stop it. Like, I know you worked your butt off your entire life being, you know, your dad's son so you can get the team. I know how hard that you worked for that, but you need to just, you need to stop there. Like, you busted your butt, to, you busted your butt your entire life to have Ursa as your last name and get this team. But you, you got it. You cannot be tweeting and alienating things like that and giving the dumb agent a chance to say something like the relationship is beyond repair. Like, you, all sides are on this. I feel like this could get worked out pretty easily, especially if I think if Chris Ballard somehow gets involved and it's like, all right, I will take care of this. Either he's going to get traded or they're going to get the deal signed, but it's not going to drive on like this. I think Chris Ballard at this point has to be the grown up in the room. Like, all right, Jonathan, we can give you 12 million a year, this much guaranteed, et cetera, but we can't give you up to 16th. That's just not realistic. If you want, we will try and shop a trade and you, we'll find a team that will extend you that will agree to that. But you're not going to get that money out there unless you run for 2000 and get a thousand next year. I, 
you're not going to get that out there. Even CMC probably wouldn't get that if he hit the market again, especially with everything that's happened since then. Him, Zeke, and Todd Gurley with the injuries kind of broke that, unfortunately. Yeah, I, honestly, I blame that Zeke contract as the last one that really broke the camel's back, if you will. Like CMC, at least he's played after the the you know sparingly, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean Todd Gurley retiring shortly after, or well, not really retiring and retiring shortly after the contract. Zeke with his own issues. Yeah, I think I agree. It's it's and it's a tough thing for running backs. There really needs to be an exception for running backs to, for this situation going forward and that's probably something that they're, they're going to negotiate in the next cba but you know what until that point you got to live with it like i hate to say it you you kind of got walked into a corner here and it's not a great thing but it's it, it is what it is and uh, you know you kind of have to live with that situation right now and look, let's be completely honest here and say 10 million dollars is a hell of a lot of money people you could do a lot with that i know if you get taxed you're going to bring home five million of that 10 million dollars by the end of the season who cares? It's $5 million. You'll be good. You got into Stanford. You will be good too. The average American only needs to earn $1.3 million in their lifetime to be able to retire at the age of 55 and live a successful life until they're 85. Period. So that's stats. You're earning five times that in a season if you get paid $5 million a season or $10 million a season. So at this point in time, just just go out there, have a great year if you're JT. Screw the agent, screw Jim Ursay. Play out of your mind in spite of them, because why not? And then be like at the end of the season, Ursay pay me or I walk. And then walk. I, I don't even care if Ursay actually pays you, just walk. And the that biggest thing is be a son of a gun, but like you'll you can work through that. <laughs> well, he's an unrestricted free agent here, so they can only put on so much of a franchise tag on him at the end of the season if if he hits all the expectations this season and doesn't miss any games. If he misses this game any part of any part of the season, he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. And that limits what he can do. And that's the part what JT needs to understand is he needs to get in the in into training camp for no other reason than after the season. He needs to be a unrestricted free agent to be able to do what he needs to do and get that the loose franchise tag where he can still get a matching offer from somebody else. Because at the end of the day, I mean, let's be honest, he's going to get a matching offer from somebody. Somebody's going to throw the money at him to match whatever the the franchise tag is going to be. He's and he's only 24 years old, so he does have a good amount of leverage compared to some of the other running backs that hit it like 27, et cetera. So I. We in our agreements that he is at training camp. He is on the pup list coming off that ankle surgery and things like that too. So credit to him. He is there. He's still participating like mental reps, everything like that. Every time they show him the North, the yeah, he's, he's active. Like, and that's the thing he's active and, and that's what he needs to be right exactly. now. He just needs to be active. I will say in as far as in training camp goes, he seems to be doing a lot of the right thing. So that is, that, that is good to see. So something we're going to keep an eye on, but I, Honestly, I think if you swap the agent out, this thing gets taken care of pretty quick and fast in a hurry. I feel like the agent completely set the bridge on fire, and both of these guys were kind of yeah. honest. I made it even worse. But what we will touch on really quickly while we are here is if he is traded, let's hypothetically say things just can't get healed and he is traded, I want you to pick one team where you think would be a good fit to where they can also extend him. So no one-year rentals to a Super Bowl team, a team that would be able to have the cap space to, ex- to extend him afterwards. Are you ready to puke a little bit? I'm already did. Um, the one team that sticks out to me, and it's the one team I've talked about a couple players going to this offseason, is the New England Patriots. 
Now, I know they have Ramondre Stevenson. I get yeah. it. You don't want to. But JT, Ramondre Stevenson. Like. You might need to have move your hands a little bit farther. Either. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we're talking JT, Ramondre. But you know what? Probably the more realistic choice, and I'm going to be, I'm going to put the New England Patriots out there as the, that would be the best landing spot for him as far as contract, being able to extend all that stuff there actually would be friendly to him. Um, and historically friendly to running backs, by the way, the New England Patriots. Um, but I'm going to go to a team that maybe not historically great for running backs, uh, but they do have historic greats that were running backs for them, and that's the Chicago Bears. I think that's the, probably the most realistic, could go to a team, could compete with that team, and they would extend him very likely. Um, would That's the, the Chicago Bears. I think that Bears is a great fit for him. I think that I think him and Justin Fields in the backfield would be what we wanted. Him and Anthony Richardson in the backfield would be, be dynamic. Yeah. DJ Moore would love that. That was one of mine as well. But the other one I'm thinking of is a little bit outside the box. But what about the Seattle Seahawks? K9 Kenneth Walker is awesome, but he has been injured a little bit. He's injured right now, even. Zach Charbonnet, the second round pick, pretty nice. But in Seattle, you're competing with the 49ers, who, depending on what happens at quarterback, we'll see. They did kind of the same thing last year, trading for McCaffrey. You have the cast base with Geno Smith's deal. DK Metcalf on the outside, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in the slot. Maybe you trade K9 and a pick or something like that. The Colts get a rookie contract running back who injury prone for the Seahawks, but you throw Jonathan Taylor in that mix. I don't care if Geno Smith reverts back to Jets Geno Smith. He's going to make that team work real, real easily. He doesn't even have to be 70% Pro Bowl Geno. He doesn't have to be, I didn't, I ain't right back Geno. He can even just write back a short little social media post. He doesn't have to write back the full letter. And he's, they're still going to cook next year, especially those young tackles. And they have the money. So maybe Seattle in a NFC mini arms race where there's like, they are, they're right there with the likes of the 49ers and the Eagles. Maybe they do this just like, you know what? Nah, then just take that next step and bolster above them. So maybe that could be something where Seattle gets their beast mode 2.0. And that offense is terrifying. You put nine in the box, DK's dunk count someone. You play two high safeties, Jonathan Taylor's got 20 to 15 yards of steam coming at those safeties. Yeah, and and I don't know, but I, I was watching I was watching something the, the other day. I don't know who has the blasphemous idea that thinks Jonathan Taylor isn't a good backfield, a good good isn't a good running back out of the backfield. Did have you not seen his ninety five yard scamper on a screen? Like, and when I say scamper, I mean he ran away from people in a, in a, in a flash, and then he's just kind of jogging the rest of the way. Like the dude knows how to catch the ball; he can run past anybody. Yes. He has running back hands. Oh, no, how terrible. He's still going to catch 85% of the passes you throw his way. How sad is that? He's your check down option where you can t- or a screen option. Yeah. He's not Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara pre-punching people, but he's more that he'll give you more than like a Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb will normally give you out of the backfield when we talk amongst elite. So he's in that – he splits the difference pretty well. I mean, he's he's caught multiple touchdowns and – just get him in space. Just get the ball to him in space, and good luck, everybody else. His first career touch was a 50-yard screen pass against the Jaguars that he almost scored on. That was his yeah. first touch in the NFL. That's all you need to know. He's dynamic. He's explosive. If the Colts trade him, they're stupid. If they pay him $20 million a year, they're stupid. They're, we're curious to see how this lands, but the Colts, you stink I, too bad to just let him go for free. Yeah, absolutely. I, okay, so I have a flip, flip, flip side question to the, for you. Obviously, we talked about best landing places. What do you think the dumbest landing place you've heard for him so far is? trying to think because adding a player like jonathan taylor to any team there's a way to make it work and it feels pretty good like there's not a whole lot of places where you don't like realistically like realistically just doesn't make sense 
I'm trying to think because there's obviously like the San Francisco's, but they don't have anything to trade for them because they're already set there. You could say like Cleveland, but they're not going to trade. They don't have anything. Outside, okay, let's let me, let me prepare. Outside of the Cleveland's and Tennessee's and San Francisco's of the world who have a number one top six running back. Hmm. See, that's where it gets tough because everywhere else after that, it's like it makes sense even if you can't pay him, even if it's a weird oh, situation. No. But like there's there's really not very many places you could look at where it's like, that's stupid. Why'd you do that? Maybe Green Bay, I guess, considering you already have two two running backs that you don't get the ball to enough. Let's add a third one. Like maybe something like that'd be dumb. Uh Dan Orlovsky hit the dumbest one for me today. And that was the Dallas Cowboys. I I would love to see Jonathan Taylor on the Dallas Cowboys. But he somehow managed to make it out where Tony Pollard stays, Deuce Vaughn stays, and somehow Jonathan Taylor comes in. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this math, Dan Orlovsky, but it doesn't work out. Like, that's not going to be a good – that's not going to work out from a backfield standpoint. Especially so you with Ronald Jones. backs that aren't getting paid that want to get paid. Good thing. Yeah, like, like that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard where it's just like you don't even want to pay one, which I actually understand the not paying Tony Pollard part. Um but the JT part, like you, you'd have to pay him, and and there's no way JT is going to be okay being second fiddle, and there's no way Tony Pollard wants to go back to being second fiddle. So like, that wouldn't work. That's the to me, I the, the dumbest trade destination I've heard so far. Just so happens to be the one team I would absolutely love to see JT on, but I know for a fact it's just not a possibility. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't make a lick of sense as well, but and you know what, Jerry Jones has already kind of said like, well, when you pay the quarterback all that much money, it's hard to pay everybody else because you also have Zach Martin who wants more money on top of it as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on. Pay Zach and, Martin. It, yes, and speaking of Jerry Jones and Jim Mercy, go if you haven't checked it out yet, go and check out our tier Tuesdays on our YouTube page where we tiered the NFL owners from top to bottom and everything in between. And you can already kind of imagine where some of these guys are going to land up just from what we talked about today. And, of course, Fantasy Fridays every Friday as well, too. Kelsey will have some guys we're high on and some guys that we're low on for you when coming this fantasy season. So you'll definitely want to check that out this Friday as well. But we're still here in the main event. We're still talking training camp. We're going to get a little bit off of JT. And, unfortunately, the downside with training camp is injury bug strikes, and it strikes hard, and it strikes fast. We'll start with the biggest name, Joe Burrow. Calf strain going to be out a few weeks. Looks like he'll be back okay for week one, but he's basically missing all of training camp. And, Last year, he missed a lot of it with the appendectomy and coming off the knee injury before that as well. So this is nothing too new, but I think it's going to cause the Bengals. They're going to start a little bit slow this season because of it, just because the timing and the reps and things like that. So not catastrophic, but I am worried that calf and the Achilles kind of, we saw Kevin Durant, they can go hand in hand. If Joe's running for his life for Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith week one, I get a little concerned, but I think he'll be okay. They'll be fine down the stretch if everything stays healthy, but I get I get I get nervous when I see those calf strains, especially on guys like Joe Burrow who are so quick in those short spaces, like maneuvering the pocket. Yeah, I mean the Joe Burrow one's huge, but man, there's a couple we can't forget. Jalen Ramsey, oh, we're and that there. torn meniscus. Ooh, man, that's scary too. Like, so obviously you know, Joe Burrow, we talk about the ham, we talk about the calf and, and what that could be. Thankfully for Burrow, he doesn't always feel the need to run, so it's a little less worrisome. But when he does run, it is slightly worrisome that like he has to make sure he stretches out every day uh, is, is basically what this is going to mean. Um, no explosive movements until you stretch because that you're exactly right. I, that cap goes, everything goes um, because it is that link between your knee and your, your ankle that really it is the powerhouse of a lot of your movements as a quarterback because you have to be agile enough to, to pump through the pocket and that you're pumping through the pocket by stepping, which is using your calf. 
Um, so yeah, you worry about that, obviously. Uh, but realistically, I think Burrow, obviously, it's scary. It's a scary injury, but I don't think it's the worst we've seen yet so far. Obviously, last year's appendectomy, I was a lot more worried. Yeah. And with Burrow, obviously, coming off the major knee injury in, in his rookie year, that was terrifying. Um, but I do think this is a minor injury that could, like you just said, like double down later in his career. So it might be something that instead of a 20 year long career with Joe Burrow, it's a 18 to 17 year long career because the calf and the ankle and then the, the Achilles and then the foot and then the toes, you know, that, that whole type of breakdown down the road. But yeah, I do think this is one like it sucks, but it's not the worst I've seen. Yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll be for sure. He'll be fine. Maybe a bit of a slow start to the year, but I think it was be, more think, terrifying watching the video though. Yeah. Like I thought that was the Achilles when I saw it. I was like, Oh no. Or I thought it was a yeah. calf tearing altogether. Like that looks so much worse, but glad to hear that. It looks like probably be back in a few weeks. Hopefully. Honestly, but, he might've been happier with a calf tear if we're being completely honest, because at least that it's, it's a full heel back. It's not just a, a partial heel. Absolutely. And next you mentioned Jalen Ramsey as well too going torn meniscus. Looks like he's out till December as well. And that I'm not gonna say it's catastrophic for the Dolphins, but the chance of them being a sneaky dark horse Super Bowl contender, I think, are pretty much out the window. Noah Manami could step into that spot, be a good corner. Xavier Howard's a fantastic corner, but your ability to have two locked down guys on the outside, then Noah's your third corner with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb getting after it. Because you're already worried about Tua's health on top of it and their offensive health you're kind of ace in the hole was maybe that defense could be locked down. And I think a lot of that was Jalen Ramsey being able to play that nickel slash corner slash maybe even safety rotation. So I'm going to say, I think their chances of being a dark horse Super Bowl team took a bit of a hit. So you don't have any faith in Eli Apple as a lockdown corner. Do you? No, <laughs> I just love always sweeter. I mean, have you, uh, no. I, the apple can get you killed. I love that. That's how they. That's who they put there as as the automatic slate slot in for number two for uh for 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 the Dolphins. But yeah, I, I do think like look, Jalen Ramsey's gone through a couple injuries in his career that you're just like, oh, really, Jalen? Like, but this one I think is the one that's going to scare you the most because he was lo- It did feel like he's losing a step to begin with, and then with his torn meniscus, you you definitely worry about what he can come back and do and how can one of his greatest assets was his makeup speed and a break. So how he's able to break down and, and get to the ball uh, after, uh, you know, a cut from the receiver or anything like that. That's always one of his biggest assets, obviously his length as well. But you do question that if he's going to have that same oomph when he comes back to get to the ball, to make the breakups that he was making early in his career, is he going to now miss those by a step similar to what we saw with, with Joe Hayden down the stretch of his career. Um, so, yeah, I do worry about with Jalen Ramsey down the road. I mean, he mentioned it. You were really hoping for a lockdown season as in the, in the secondary there in, in Miami. Obviously, with the teams you have to go up against, there's not a whole lot of easy receiving cores in that division, except for well the Patriots. But even that's not that easy anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, maybe Eli Apple can surprise us all this year. I will say when Jalen comes back, I could see him coming back as a hybrid safety, almost like Derwin James, where you can play the nickel, yeah. you put him on those tight ends, but he lines up at safety in your base. And I think that's going to elongate his career by four four more years because I think he's going to be an elite safety because he's big enough. He's not shy to tackle. Still man him up on some slot receivers and bully some of those smaller guys and help double team. But I think I think that'll elongate his career no matter how he comes back for sure. I think that was not too far off. But Next, from one all-pro that played for the Rams and won a Super Bowl to another, we got Cooper Cup now going down with a hamstring injury. That looks like he's going to miss a few more weeks. And 
I'm starting to feel for the guy. These injuries since he won that triple crown have just come. These soft tissue ones are starting to get a little concerning as well. Hopefully he's able to come back in time for the start of the season, but you've got to imagine a little bit slow to start the season too. You can't imagine he's going to be right there firing full speed. Your quarterback, who's going to be your quarterback? Is it going to be Stafford? Is it going to be Stetson Bennett? We'll have to see how Stafford gets healthy. But for the Rams, this is kind of your main bright spot is Cooper Cup as your ultimate equalizer. So I am worried about this, and we'll just talk about fantasy football perspective. I don't think I could take him in like those first two rounds now just because of that hamstring because I'm getting a little bit nervous with the injuries. If I get him in round three and I get 85% of 2021, I'm winning my league. But I'm, I'm scared to take him in those first two rounds with the hamstring injury. Yeah, I mean, look, last year's high ankle sprain was worrisome enough going into this year. Add to that that hamstring. We just talked about the cycle of a, of a leg. You, you, you get a lower leg injury. It's not a long time before those upper leg injuries or even even further down your leg start getting getting hampered. So uh, we see it here with his hamstring going same leg. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's a little worrisome there, especially for a guy who's so clean in his cuts. And that's really what allows him to get a lot of breaks off is, is fooling corners into thinking he's going one way and going the other because he's just so smooth and effortless with his cuts. Um, you talk about there goes your hamstring. Well, there goes your propulsion out of a cut. So it's, it is worrisome there. Um, double that with that high ankle sprain last year. That doesn't really go away, um, especially unless you got that, you know, surgery like you saw what Alabama always does, the, the tightrope surgery um, to kind of string those bones back together. It, it still doesn't go away. It still happens again. It's just less impactful. So uh, it does. it is concerning with Cooper Cup. I mean, as if this season wasn't already concerning enough for the Rams, it's – now you're starting. Now it might be time to hit the to get close to the big red button. You might be hitting the yellow button right now, but it's starting to turn red in your mind. It is a little concerning. Maybe he'll bounce back, be just fine in time for the start of the season and start cooking again, like I kind of thought he would. But I always hate when guys get injured early in training camp to where they're going to have to miss time, especially that small tissue, especially from guys like receivers, too, because you're not getting the reps with the quarterback and the timing sort of thing. So definitely keep an eye on that. Next, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. We're looking at Zach Moss. Running back for the Colts, broken form. Looks like he's out for six weeks. So for the Colts, as I mentioned earlier, you're the guy on your team with the most career NFL rushes is Gardner Minshew. Start looking at Kareem Hunt and Kenyon Drake and some of those other guys just to bring in. Even if JT gets worked out, get yourself a back a, a backup back. So you don't want to go in there like Evan Hall and some other guys that don't have much NFL experience. Just have a veteran running back there ready to go. Zach Moss, I'm sure, will be fine. Give Zeke a call. See if you can get him for something cheap. Maybe Dalvin Cook, but he's not going to want to come in for anything cheap. If you're not going to pay JT, you're not going to pay Dalvin. So Colts, yeah. the mess in the backfield continues. Then, then the last one we're going to look at right now is your boy, Tim Patrick. Unfortunately, second year in a row, a career-ending injury, not career-ending, excuse me, season-ending injury in, 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 in training camp too. And I got a feel for that because you mentioned it too when he when Russell Wilson first went to Denver. If he's going to succeed, Tim Patrick is going to be one of his safety blankets. We talk all about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, fantastic receivers, but Tim Patrick being that big body and is really good with positioning. It's almost like a safety valve where I put in his vicinity and he'll come down with it or break it up. It almost, it feels like where Sutton's a big body, but in a different type of way, Tim Patrick being six, four, just feels like a big safety valve for Russell Wilson. He once again, will not have. Yeah. Six, four in two straight seasons, gave you 50 plus receptions, 700 plus yards, averaged over 13 yards a catch, which is insane when you start talking about a guy who's six foot four. Uh, and by the way, six touchdowns in 2025 and 2021. He was set for a breakout last year. This year, you knew he was coming back with a vengeance. You knew he was going to be good. And you knew Russell Wilson had a lot to prove this year. Tim Patrick was going to be a big part of that. 
And you mentioned it, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, they feasted off of those. Uh, well, really mostly Cortland Sutton feasted off of Tim Patrick being on the other side of the field, being that deep threat to take off the top and allow Cortland Sutton to work in that mid mid depth range where he is so deadly at. Um, and then Jerry Judy was just going to reap the benefits in the, in the close to, to mid range and, and even deep occasionally. Um, but yeah, you know, Russell's going to have to figure out a, a new plan here, um, figure out something to do there for, for the, the Broncos. Hopefully he could figure out his, his own stuff, but yeah, this one hurts because Tim Patrick, I, I, I was already ready to, to, you know, he was going to be my dark horse fantasy player. I was already ready to pick him in the last round of the draft, just like I, I did in 2021. And it reaped all the benefits of that. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, you feel for the guy. One of the, we just talked about two of the most unlucky Utah players to come out of, of Utah in the last 10 years. I think like you think about all the other players that have come out of Utah. These two probably have the least amount of luck in Zach Moss and, and Tim Patrick, obviously now Julian Blackman, you can probably throw in there as well with his, his knee injuries. But, man, those two just cannot stay healthy for life of them to play in the regular season in the NFL. Absolutely as well. So, unfortunately, unfortunately I haven't talked about injuries. The worst part of training camp as well. Hopefully there's not any more. Hopefully we don't have to talk about well, any more injuries. Everyone don't forget Kadarius this. Tony in that torn meniscus early in the camp. Honestly, I didn't know he was not injured at this point, too, because for the yeah. same reason. I thought he – I just presumed he was always injured. But, once again, hopefully everyone – That's can, fair enough. Hopefully everyone's able to get healthy soon as well too. And starting next week is the everyone's favorite part of our show. If they have tuned in for the last couple of, couple of years, next week is when we start our division breakdown predictions. So each week we'll pick either then we'll pick a couple of divisions, whether it's the North, the South, the East or the West. And we'll go through the full team's predictions. We're picking every single game to find the final records. Talk about how we got to that, some things to look out for, and that's going to start next week. So definitely tune in for that. We're going to start with the AFC and the NFC West next week. So those will be some fun ones you want to tune into. Last year, they kind of did us a little bit dirty with a few teams underperforming. This year, we'll see what – and one team overperforming as well, too, looking at UC Seattle. Surprised all of us a little bit. But we're going to look into that. That's where we're starting next week, so you'll definitely want to tune into that. Let us know what predictions we got right, which ones are wrong, and which ones are, you know, which ones might make us look smart at the end of the year. And just wait for my ultimate Detroit Lions prediction because everybody loves my Detroit Lions predictions, right? Like at this point in time. I've been well, right you, two years in a row. For that. When you're teasing a little too far, hey, that's the North now. We'll get to the North. I know, the I know, North, hey, I, I know. We'll get to that one, but I'm just, I'm pre teasing that one. That one, I'm just, I'm setting out there. I got, I got some fun plans for the Lions this year. Believe me, I got some steam for us and a few of these upcoming ones. So you definitely don't want to miss those. There's some that Kelsey might try and throw something through the screen and hit me with. So, but you know what? The few times we've done that, weirdly enough, it's been kind of right as a few times too. We've had some moments where they look really stupid and are really smart, and some other times where they look really smart but are really stupid. Except for that one time we had a guest on say 13 and 3 for the Arizona Cardinals. Never forget. To be fair, he corrected to 3 and 13. Both of them I were know, terribly wrong. But he, yeah, he, both of them were completely wrong at the end of the season. Absolutely. But that's going to do it here for the main event. So definitely want to tune to those starting next week. But that's now going to take us to Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is Crunch Time brought to you by Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Get yourself a free seven day trial. Best, smarter, not harder. Get all the trends, odds, everything you need to win a little bit of money when it comes to sports betting. And I'm going to keep mine really quick here and simple because I know you got one you want to get into. Bryce, there was a story coming out that Bryce Young was door dashing while he was at Alabama, who the joke's always been Alabama pays their players more than the NFL is going to pay them on their rookie deal, et cetera, et cetera, even before NIL deal. Bryce Young, the funny part about this is a future Heisman Trophy and number one overall pick quarterback was just door dashing while kept going with a mask and a hat on and or a hoodie. So you couldn't even tell it was him. So he's just go. The other second part about that is there's so much talk about his size coming out of the draft. 
it is so much to the point where people didn't even recognize an Alabama football player was delivering their food to their door. How absolutely crazy is that? Because he looks just like such a normal guy with his build. So this is absolutely hilarious. We already like Bryce Young. I think he's going to do really well. But this is just funny all around. He was a door dashing Heisman trope. This was before he won the Heisman, obviously. But door dashing to make a few extra dollars, and nobody could really tell the difference, honestly. This is, this is just hilarious to me. Uh, there's no way I could love an Alabama football player, period. But mm. this might come the closest. I've ever come to liking a I, I, I understand totally. I don't know. I, I get it. I don't know. Maybe Bryce Young, it was, it was a good showing nonetheless. Absolutely. But Kelsey, you have a little bit of something you wanted to dip to on crunch time, huh? Yeah. So uh, starting on August 11th, the Fantasy Football Expo 2023 will be live. And guess what? We're going to go back second year in a row. Not just us. A belly Up Sports family will be at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame. Uh, well, uh, not really at the Hall of Fame, but we will be there Saturday at, at the Hall of Fame Stadium on Friday night as well. Um, but yeah, it is a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of good times. So be sure to check out the Fantasy Football Expo if you guys are going to be in the area. Come swing by the Belly Up booth. You can check out us, our friends Dan Mater, and the Fantasy Football crew he brings. Also, you get to meet the Mahler brothers, Josh Mahler and the Rising to the Occasion crew, along with the founders of Belly Up, Mike and Blaine. And there's going to be a whole lot of fun happening as well. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of time, a lot of good time. And we'll actually have another live show as well. Like we did last year, we did a couple live, live moments there from the event. This time we're going to do a whole live show with the belly up fantasy crew. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We might even do a couple belly up fantasy drafts while we're there. I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to work, but you know what? We're going to have fun. We're going to be out there talking to the crowd. DJ and I are going to be giving away some, get some, some, some merch, uh, not just from us, but from Canada dips, from manscaped, uh, from, the belly up crew as well. All you got to do is answer some, some trivia questions. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Obviously stay tuned to the belly up social media, high low sports, social media, rising to the occasion and, and Dan Mater fantasy football. Uh, one of us will all have the announcement for the show. So you can check that out and be a part of the fun. Even if it's just in the chat, you can at least shout out the answer. Maybe they could do a phone a friend. We, we don't know yet. Uh, we're, 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 I'm going to let DJ the brain uh, figure out some of our harder fantasy football questions i'm gonna take the easy ones like how bad was russell wilson last year bad really bad or oh my god he cost me my fantasy football championship the answer by the way is all the above but definitely something to keep an eye out for that as well too get be sure to follow that check out our social media pages might even see us play football we'll have to wait and see what the festivities hold but we appreciate you all here for joining us here talking about some sports today always a pleasure once again tune in next week when we start our nfl predictions episodes it's going to be a blast you can let us know what looks dumb, what looks smart, and you know what? What might just get us fired one day, but we appreciate the time, everybody. Hopefully we see you all again next week.